I receive what the Lord's doing here. I want to I want to open up my spirit. I want to open up my heart and my mind to what the Lord is desiring to do. So right now as we're gathering together, let's go ahead and open up our hearts to what God is wanting to do and just dive into prayer. Father, we thank you God for all that you're doing, all that you've already done. Lord, I pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us, Father. We desire a word from you, God. We desire to hear from you tonight, Lord. Open up my mind, open up my heart, God. Let me be a vessel for your spirit. Let me let me be led by your spirit. God, let me desire the things of your kingdom, God. We seek your kingdom first, God. We desire to walk with you. We desire to know you, Lord. We thank you for everything that you do when we gather together, God. I pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon us, continue to lead us and guide us, continue to strengthen us as a body. Thank you for everything that you're doing, Lord. We desire you tonight, God. We desire you tonight, God. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm working on getting something moved. Sister Maddie, you're good. Thank you so much. Working on. I have a little PowerPoint. just kind of helps me teach a little bit. If we can uh, get it up there. Give me just a second. Hopefully this works. So give me just a moment. There we go. Looking good so far. Thank you guys for your patience. It says it connected, but maybe maybe it's a no-go. Ah, there we go. Okay, sweet. So tonight, I've been trying to mull over um, what, what I was feeling the Lord kind of leading me to, to talk about. And um, this is something that I've kind of been working on uh, for a while now, as far as just a thought that the Lord gave me a while back about how, how to go through life regardless of, of what goes on, regardless of the hardships. Um, I've been leaning a lot in this direction just in my life, just in observing people. I'm, I'm a, I like to study history, history to a lot of people, to my wife especially, is the most boring topic on the planet Earth. But I'm of the opinion, especially when it comes to the Word of God, that unless we know what happened in the past, it's going to be kind of hard to know what the future holds and what what we're going to experience as the future uh, unfolds, however God has it planned or destined. Um, A lot of what goes on in the world, um, we experienced it a little bit in 2020 through through COVID. Um, But a, a lot of what goes on in the world has to do with, you know, Overall, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of problems. Um, Any given day when you approach people on the street, chances are they're going through something. Chances are they're having a a huge issue in their life and you have not the slightest idea. You know, that person that cuts you off and you're, you're getting mad at them on the highway, you know, they might be heading to the emergency room or something. And we don't think like that because our issue sometimes arises above the issues of other people. And if we're not careful, our issue can arise above our ministry or our ability to touch other people with the gospel of Jesus. We have to be careful that when we're going through something, we don't allow what we're going through to overshadow our ministry, our opportunity to minister to the people in the world. Um, This picture that I'm showing right now, is, is a very striking image. 
Um, it's it's of the the siege of Jerusalem in the year AD 70. So Jesus was around between uh, 0 AD. He was kind of the start of our calendar all the way through about 33 AD. And the Bible was written between 33 AD and about 70 AD. And so this was kind of before, uh, this, this picture kind of represents everything that kind of happened to the, to the children of Israel, to the Christians, to the early church in and around AD 70, which is about uh, 1950 years ago. So obviously this picture wasn't taken. This is an image drawn by some man in like the 1500s, but it's a, it's a pretty good representation of, of what Jerusalem would have experienced when the Roman siege came in and overtook them. And what I, what I take from this image is that the, the early Christian church would, if you can see my mouse, can my mouse be seen? No. The early Christian church would have been experiencing this live. They would have seen this. They would have seen the, the Roman Empire coming in to storm the city um, so that they could be uh, usurped and, and gotten rid of because all throughout human history, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, have always had someone standing against them. Um, but thankfully, the Lord has always been on their side. We today, we have an entire world that stands against us. Um, every day on the media and the news throughout our culture, it is blatantly anti-Christian. It's blatantly anti-God. They don't even care anymore, right? We have a satanic uh, representation at the, um, at the Capitol throughout Christmas. Uh, they ultimately don't care. But what I want to talk about for just a little bit is how we find peace in the trials of life. Um, I've, I've talked about this a lot, and you guys, some of it might be repetitive, some of it might be new, I'm not sure. Um, but if you've been in my small groups or in my youth group, I, I, I really harp on this, um, primarily because I think if we're not cautious, we can, um, we can overlook the workings of God in the midst of our trials and our suffering. We can, we can look at ourselves and be like, oh me, oh me, I'm, I'm having an issue, I'm having a problem. And the whole time be overlooking what God is doing in the midst of that situation, if not in you, maybe through you. Because how we respond to situations directly dictates how the world perceives us. I told this to the, uh, to the small group last week that the early Christians, I feel like I'm really loud. Am I very loud? Yes, no? Okay. Um, the early Christians were known throughout the ancient culture, the ancient world, as when, when, um, when disease would strike, you know, like the Black Plague, we all kind of know that one, but there are other diseases prior, uh, prior to the Black Plague. When disease would strike, the uh, people knew to kind of get away. They understood that there was something happening and that when they got away from where the disease was hitting, uh, that, you know, you wouldn't get sick and you hopefully wouldn't die. They didn't understand germs how we understand it today. But what's really interesting and what's really shocking is that some of the earliest discussions about the Christian church, about the people of Jesus, about apostolic people, was that they would run into the city as the other people were fleeing to save their lives. They would run into the city and they would be the ones to take care of the dead, the dying, the sick. It was the Christian faith, it was the people of God that would run in harm's way in order to assist those that were suffering. That's why, uh, coincidentally, we have a lot of Jewish Barnes Hospital, Christian Hospital, HSHS St. John's. You don't really see an atheist hospital, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. 
You might somewhere. I don't know. But that's because even culturally, we understand that when there is a problem, when there is pain, when there is suffering, we have to find a place where, where, where God is, where Jesus is, where the Lord can move in our situation despite what's going on. And so tonight, for just a few minutes, I want to talk about finding peace in our trials. Uh, the first passage I want to open up to is, is the book of Psalms, chapter 22. And Father-in-law, forgive me for I have sinned and I have not gotten you my scriptures. Um, we're gonna, I'm just going to read it. If he gets it up there in time, it's fine. But I just want to read through it for just a moment. The psalmist David was writing this in the midst of a situation. We don't, we don't quite know exactly what was going on in his life. Um, we can probably kind of trace back. We know a little bit about his, his story. Um, but in this passage, David was writing, and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. Notice he's not saying God's not there. He's saying God's not answering. He says, and by night I cry out to you, but I don't find any rest. But here's, the, here's what separated David from the rest of us. The very next passage in verse 3, he says, yet you are holy. Despite what David was going through, despite the issue that he was feeling, despite what was happening in his life, he still recognized that God was holy above his situation, above his problem. He didn't, he didn't despise God. He didn't go around saying, God, I hate you, God. You know, you've done all this bad stuff to me. We, a lot of people, that's our gut reaction. When life goes bad, we look to the easiest thing to kind of blame, and we say God did it. Right? It's called, an, in the insurance world, Brother Lockwood, correct me if I'm wrong, it's called an act of God. <laughs> right? If something goes wrong beyond our control, it's an act of God. It's not an act of nature. That's too easy. It's an act of God because we can blame him for whatever the situation is that was beyond our control. But the problem with that concept is, is when we blame God long enough, something begins to happen in our heart. Something begins to build up in our heart. Walls begin to build up in our heart. If we go through enough trial and enough pain and enough suffering without the right response, as I talked about Sunday night, Sunday morning, the right choice, walls begin to build up in our hearts. Before we know it, we become like Pharaoh, right? In the Old Testament, Pharaoh, his heart had become hardened. He had, he had, acted. He had killed the, uh, the newborn uh, uh, children of Israel as they were coming out of the womb. He said, we're going to kill them all. We're going to get rid of them. Uh, they're growing too fast. We're going to go ahead and remove them. He did a couple other things, but at some point when God started to respond, Pharaoh's heart had become hard. And many of us, if we're not cautious, as we, as we go out into the world, as we experience things, as things go wrong, as life happens to us, despite our, 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 idea of how it should happen, we must be careful to guard our heart and choose a good response in the midst of trial. David said, yet you are holy. And he goes on, he says, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. He began to worship. In the midst of this situation, David didn't find himself crying. And he cried a little bit, right? He did have the tears, 
But he didn't have the blaming aspect of, God, it's your fault. God, you did this. He said, no, I'm going to praise. I'm going to give God praise. Because ultimately, God is in control. There's the story of David and Bathsheba. We're all kind of familiar with that. David, he, he should have been out at war, but instead he was, he was lusting after a married woman. He gets her pregnant. He brings her uh, husband back to try to, to try to correct his issue. The husband ends up being murdered by King David. The, the son that King David has ends up being killed, being, being, end up a stillbirth. And what David did is very striking in that passage. He was, he was crying and he was fasting and he was seeking God because he knew ultimately it was his sin that led to the death of this innocent child. But what's really striking is in the passage when you read it, uh, David, David's men come to him and they say, why are you okay so, so quickly after this? And David, this isn't the exact quote, but he says something to the effect of, you know, while, while this was happening, I, I did what I could. I tried. But ultimately, it was in the hands of God. And in God's hands is where we need to land. When, 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 when stuff hits the fan, when issues arise in our life, we don't need to turn to social media. We don't need to turn to, to our best friend, to that person that left the church and, oh, bless God, guess what's happening here? Too much of that happens. And I'm going to pause there for a moment. If you're, if you're bad talking the church, and I, I, I don't know why, I always come back to this. Maybe it's just an easy thing to talk about. But if you bad talk the church, you are bad talking the literal representation of the body of Christ. You're, 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 you're bad mouthing the bride of Christ. And if you're bad mouthing his bride, I have a good feeling he's not happy about it. I, if I saw someone bad mouthing my wife, I would be very livid. So is the same with, with the Lord. So we have to be careful when it comes to how we respond to our situations and our issues going on. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but there's the passage in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Matthew wrote, he said, And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he, that's Jesus, was asleep. And they went and awoke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, he said, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So they're out on this ocean. They're out on the water. The Jewish people at this time period already had a pretty shady relationship with water. They weren't huge into it. They, they wouldn't go out like some of the other tribes and nations and cultures and go out far into the ocean. They would pretty much stay around the shallows. They might travel a little bit here and there, but overall they had a, a, a pretty interesting relationship with the ocean. Uh, thus, you have some passages in Job talking about Leviathan and going down to the deep. Anyways, even in this situation, their first issue, their first thought process was to go and wake the Lord and say, save us. And when I read that, when I, when I read that and I think about it, what it says to me is that they, and like Jesus ultimately says, oh, you of little faith. At this point in the game, they knew who Jesus was. They knew he was God. They knew he was in control. He had already operated a, a couple of miracles by this stage. But there was something within them that still had a doubt, a fear, a worry about the storm that they were traveling in. And their response was, 
Jesus, save us. We are perishing. But God, Jesus understood and he recognized that there was something lacking in their faith, that in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a storm, the thing that was missing, the ingredient, was faith. If, if you can have faith, Jesus said this, if you can have faith the size of, size of a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. But sometimes when we're going through problems or situations, it's hard to have faith. It's hard to, to trust that God's going to provide. There's that passage in the book of, uh, book of John. This, this man has a sick daughter, and he comes to Jesus, and he's, he's talking to Jesus, and he says, Lord, help my daughter. Uh, she's sick. She's dying. And Jesus said, go, be well, she's going to be okay. But the father turned around and he said, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's, that's really interesting to me because what that tells me is that the Lord understands the times where we don't believe him. Even in, even in our doubt of him, he's still in that situation. Like we said last week, even the psalmist said, when I make my bed in hell, when I make the decisions that bring me into the pit of hell, the place of eternal separation from God is what hell is. The Bible says that God is still there. He's still in the midst of it. So even when we're lacking in faith, literally God is just a directional step away, away from you. He's saying, hey, I'm here. You take one step towards me, I'm taking a step back towards you. Even when you don't have faith. In, in, in high school, I had an issue where I, I, was, I wasn't sure what I believed about God. I had grown up in church. I'd been in church my entire life. I kind of had a, just this, nah, I go to church because my parents go to church. My dad was a pastor, all that kind of stuff. And I hit high school and I started to hang out with people that really, really um, did not believe in God. Some of them had personal issues that had led to that. Uh, they were abused as a child, and it led to their having an issue with, with God. Um, and they would speak into my life, and I would receive it because I'm, I'm always a thinker. I don't know if you guys can tell that. I, I think a lot. And when I was thinking about these things, I wasn't able to find solutions. I wasn't able to find the answers. And it began to, began to bother me to the point where I, I got to the point where I literally said, I don't know if I believe in the Bible I'm going to act like I do just in case, just to be on the right side of salvation. Not that that would do it, but I was going to do everything that I could within my power to try to follow the word of God, even if I wasn't sure if I believed it. But then, you know, as I continued in that thought process, I, I, I would still pray. I would still find a place of prayer. I would go to church. I would be in our youth services on, on, on Tuesday nights. And, and youth, this is why we pray is because those youth services on, two, on Wednesday nights back at my old church are the reason why I continued in the faith. I would go to church, I would pray, I would seek the face of God. I would cry, snot, all that stuff. I'd get in my car, gone. Faith, gone. Felt like I was in praying to a, a bronze bubble over my head and everything that I was sending up was getting right shot back down. And it began to affect me. It began to worry me. It began to bother me. But I continued to do it. I continued to pray, Lord, help me. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, take this doubt from my heart. I'm, I'm suffering right now. It was a suffer. I was struggling so bad with my, with, my, with my doubts, with my unbelief in God. I'd go to my dad's room. I would try to talk to them, tell them all the issues I was having because I was trying to, 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 to balance you know, all the evil and the pain and the suffering in the world with a, with a loving God. And it was hard. 
We see this in COVID, right? You know, people ask, you know, how does God love us if he lets a, a global pandemic reign across the world? But the reality is, is those people that are asking that probably don't have a prayer life. You know, the people that I look up to, the people that I admire the most are, are not the thankers anymore. They used to be. That's, that used to be who I admired. It's the people with the prayer life. I, oh, I feel that right now. It's the people that have decided that say, hey, life is going to happen I can't logically explain it. I can't make sense of it ever. I don't know why that person hurt me. I don't know why they did this, 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 or this, or that, or whatever to me. But I'm going to pray about it. I might not know how to pray. I might be really bad at it, right? Even Jesus, he had, he had short prayers. He said, he said this, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. And that was his prayer. That's what he prayed. He didn't, he didn't have a these and thous and thys and slashing everything under the sun. He said, no, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. But if it's not, I will go through this situation. We need spiritual warfare. Absolutely. Spiritual warfare is biblical. Spiritual warfare is what the Bible teaches us. But we also need to approach spiritual warfare with faith. It is the faith that we apply when we pray that begins to take care of situations and struggles and trials and issues in our life. Another passage is in, in John chapter 3, verse 16. It's one of the most popular passages in, in the world. You have little coins with it on. You can buy little silver dollars with John three sixteen. You can in and out a, a burger place in California at the bottom of their cup and turn it over. It says John three sixteen. It's everywhere. It's for God so loved the world. What's really interesting is that when this passage was written, uh, the Christians and the Jewish people understood this. They, they understood the love of God. They had had a concept of it. But in the ancient world, it was not something that was talked about. There was no concept of a God coming to earth, because what, what is John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, he said that he gave, God gave his only begotten son. And what he's talking about there is the suffering of the cross. But in the ancient world, there was no concept of the gods suffering for us. And that, that's, a, that's an interesting point because drugs don't suffer for you when you turn to them for help. Alcohol doesn't suffer for you. It takes. That's all it does, right? That's all that these ancient gods did was they took they took all the money. They took all of everything. They took your entire life away. That was all that the ancient religions did. But in the Bible, we come across something very, very different in that we see a God giving. God gave back to his people. He had a desire to, to save his people from their sins, from their issues, from their problems. He didn't say, take, take, take. You know that tithe thing? It wasn't just about him getting money. It was so that it would go and help the culture, help the, help the Jewish people survive and let an ecosystem of faith happen within the congregation of the Jewish people. It wasn't because God needed a dollar or because some high priest needed a dollar. It was to better the culture. It was to better the, the Old Testament church. So when we tithe today, we shouldn't be thinking of it as, oh, I'm just, I'm just giving to some greedy God or some greedy pastor. No. When we tithe today, when we bring our offering into the congregation, into the church, 
It is to better this culture. It is to better where we are at right now. Because when we take care of the men of God, when we take care of the man of God, he takes care of us. It's a reciprocal relationship. Now, if the pastor was just taking and taking and taking and never giving, there'd be an issue. But we don't go to a church like that. We go to a church where, where men of God are hungry and sincerely seeking after the things of God. And so our role as the congregation is to tithe, is to give into what God is desiring, and it will be poured upon us. That, that prayer that we pray, you know, when we first started praying it, I, I was like, uh, you know, we all have these thoughts. Oh, that's it's funny. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's different. But then I started to think about it. I was like, no, there are, there are many prayers throughout the Bible that are repetitive prayers that are prayed through, uh, f- from people throughout history. The entire book of Psalms, I was telling someone the other day, the entire book of Psalms was a prayer book to parts of the early church. So when you see a, re- a prayer up here and we pray it all the time and we, we say, you know, I'm a tither, I bring my tithe today in the storehouse, instead of approaching that with doubt or, or a little bit of narcissism, or not, not narcissism, cynicism, being cynical about it, twist your faith. God, I believe this today. I, I don't know if I'm going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen to me. I want it to happen. I want the blessings of God. But if I'm making a decision to choose God and then kind of laugh off a prayer, there's an issue there. We need to check our hearts with this. This is a little off what I was talking about. I'm sorry. Um, but in, in, in John 3, 16 through 17, we, we see that God loved the world and he gave his only begotten son to us. That when we go through things, when we have a problem, we have to understand that the Lord is on our side. Matthew 26, 19, or 26, 39 says, and going a little farther, he's talking about Jesus. He fell on his face and prayed saying this. He said, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The cup he was talking about was the Roman cross. At that time period in history, the Roman cross, the, the word cross in, in ancient Roman language was actually a swear word. You would not use that word in, in polite society. It was such a debased way of death that, that even, even secular pagan Roman people would not use that word because, it was, because of what it stood for. They understood that there was a pain and suffering unimaginable to humanity, though they celebrated it, which is really interesting. But Jesus said, hey, if, if, if it be your will, let this cup of, of suffering, of, of problem, of issue, of pain that's coming my way, I want it to pass. Then he goes on and says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, let your will be done. When we're going through situations, and th- this is a quote, uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman I like to read, his name is Timothy Keller. He has this book, and it's called The Reasons for God. But in this book, he said this, and it has struck me ever since I first read it. He said, Jesus did not suffer so that you would not suffer. Right? That's the, that's the prosperity gospel kind of stuff. You know, God already took all of our suffering and pain. You, if you give a tithe, if you give offering, you won't suffer. No, that's not biblical. He goes on, he says, he suffered so that when you suffer, you'll become more like him. The gospel does not promise you better life circumstances. It promises you a better life. If not a life here, a life in the hereafter. When Jesus suffered on the cross, it wasn't just for our salvation. 
It was so that we could look at a God that came down in our stead, bled upon a cross for us, and gave us a way to experience salvation despite what we're feeling right now, despite the, the suffering, despite the issues we're going through right now. We can look back at Jesus and say, Jesus, you bled on the cross for me. You suffered and died for my sins. This storm is hard. This storm is an issue. I'm really struggling right now. But if you did that, I can stay here. I can stay in this storm. I can weather it because I have faith that you will provide. I have faith that you will take care of me in the midst of my situation. Let's, let's raise our hands for just a few moments and just ask that the Lord give us some guidance. Father, I pray right now, Jesus, that you would touch us, God, that you would open us up. Just begin to lift up your voice. You pray for you. I'm going to pray for me. Lord, I pray that you would give us guidance right now, God, that we would receive what you're doing, Lord. I pray that you would open me up, God. Open up my heart and my mind. Open up my spirit to your word and to your will, God. I pray right now, Jesus, that you would help me to be a receptive person, God, a receptive vessel for your will and for your spirit. Right now, I pray, God. In your name we pray. When, when you're up here, and, and Brother Lockwood can attest to this, you know, you, you, you're trying to sense the room. You're, you're always trying to feel out, like, what's going on. And you, you, you kind of, you, it's hard being up here, just so you guys know. It's not an easy thing. So give it up for Pastor for coming up here three days a week, every week for years, because it's, it's not easy. But what I'm desiring tonight, and, and I want this for us, and I want this, and, and this is just something that I'm trying to practice in my own life, and I mentioned this the other day, is I just want to follow the Spirit of God. I just, I just want to, I just want to do what God wants to have done tonight, and it's. I'm just gonna be real with you guys. Is that cool? Okay. Um, even if it's honest, I'm gonna do it. Um, I haven't felt anything all day. I. This is something that I've, I've been working on and thinking through and trying to trying to work through to the best of my ability before tonight just to have something to, to, to lead with, to try to follow. And I'm realizing quickly, like, when you're not following the Spirit of God, you're going to miss something. You're going to miss everything, honestly, if you're not following after the Spirit of God. And so I think what I, what I want to kind of finish with is, is, is just one, one thought. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5, and this is, this is just part of here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God is, is, is not hard. We, we, want, we want the will of God in our life. We want to follow after God. We, we want to seek him and we want to search for him. We, we desire that if we're trying at all. If, if we come here on a, on, a mon, on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Tuesday, if you're making any effort, there's at least a small part of you that wants the will of God. Whether or not you, you, you think about it every time you come to church, I think you should, and I, I need to as well. But the will of God is to, is to follow what Paul said, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. That's not easy to do. 
when when home is getting hard, when finances are short, when when pain when when issues are happening, we all have problems. Um, it, it becomes hard to give God praise in those situations. But what I've learned and I've experienced is that when I pray, when I come to the house of God, even if it's on an off night and I'm just going through an issue, believe it or not, Lacey and I get in arguments. <laughs> we get into arguments. Sometimes it, sometimes I am the problem. Sometimes she's the problem. Um, <laughs> she's never the problem. Um, I have to take it to God. Because if I don't take it to God, if I don't take the problems of life to the Lord, those walls are going to get built up. I, I told the youth this the other night. We were t- oh, picture of Sutton dropped again. Um, I told the youth the other night, if I'm not careful and I'm allowing condemnation or guilt or shame or frustration or bitterness or any of the any of the other things we go through in life, if I'm not careful, I can literally feel it kind of wrap itself around my heart. And it creates this weight. And I've literally, I sometimes I even feel it when I'm teaching because I don't know if it's someone or if it's me and the Lord's trying to say, hey, dude, you got some stuff to continue to work on. But I feel it right now and it's like, it's this tension, this, this, this gripping thing in my chest. And I know that when I feel it, there's a weed there. There's a problem there. There's something there that is just blocking up the flow of, of the Spirit of God. And if I'm not careful, that weed will calcify. It'll become a hard part of our heart. And if we're not careful and we don't spend time in prayer, if we don't, if we don't cry in prayer, not that prayer is all about crying, but if we don't find a place where we are weeping in front of the Lord, we're in a dangerous place. We're in a place that has that has repercussions beyond what we understand or can fully appreciate in the moment. Uh, uh, I mentioned earlier, Pharaoh never thought that, that Yahweh, the God of creation, would end up hardening his heart after the decisions he made. But he came to a place where he could have been like, like Nebuchadnezzar the other day we talked about, who was a servant of God even despite what the Jewish people had done. Uh, Pharaoh had hardened his heart to such a degree that God gave him what he wanted. If we don't continue to turn back to God when we're going through a situation, if we don't choose Jesus in the midst of our problem, he will give us what we want. That's the, that's the, that's the mystery of, of being a Christian. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said, hey, I, he said in Romans chapter 1 that, God gave people up to their lusts, to, their, to the desires of their heart. And if the desire of your heart is not a relationship with Jesus, be, be very cautious because you will get what you desire at some point. And if it's not something leading towards the Lord, it is literally something leading away from him. It's not a, it's not a both and. You can't do both things. You have, the, the, you have the choice every single day to choose the Lord. And if you're not choosing him, you're choosing your flesh. You're choosing the very thing that leads to death. And in the middle of a situation of a trial, if you're not careful, that choice will become even more apparent. It'll become even more hard. It'll, it'll become just this calcified rock in your chest. So that's why, like Paul said, Paul was a man 
that I look up to just reading about him. I, I read biographies on him. I try to understand how he operated just because he's a very interesting person. Um, but Paul, he, he was used by God. He was, um, he was thrown in prison. He was abused. I don't know if you know this, but we all kind of know that Paul spent time in prison, right? Are we all kind of familiar with that? Well, he did throughout some of the writings that he had. But in ancient Roman prisons, it wasn't like you get, what, what's that saying? Three hots and a cot. <laughs> you, didn't get, you didn't get three meals fed to you in a, in a nice warm place. No, you, you were in a Roman prison. The only food you got was what friends or, or people that were giving to, to help the, the prisoners would, would receive. They weren't given meals. They weren't given anything. They were literally only given what others brought to them. Maybe a coat. You see in, you see in one, one of the passages, he asked Timothy, I think, to bring him a coat because it's winter and it's getting cold and he's in prison. And it was there in that kind of environment, in that kind of setting, that the Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content in a Roman prison. I don't have a bathroom. I don't have a toilet. I don't have anything. I, I might have a, 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 a pen and a paper. I'm trying to help the church of God, the church of the true God. I'm trying to help them understand how to be a Christian, how to follow after the Lord to the best of their abilities. But even in that situation, when I'm alone, when I'm, when I'm cold, when I, the only jacket I'm going to get is if someone gets my letter and brings me one in the midst of a, of a, of a winter I've learned to be content. I've learned to rejoice always in that situation. I've, I've never personally been in a situation where I, didn't, I, where I didn't know that when I went home, there was going to be a nice coat there, a nice blanket, a fire I could turn on, something like that. I've never had that experience. Maybe some of you guys have, but I haven't. But in that situation, Paul said, hey, I only have a limited number of options here. I can go out and, and, and follow my flesh and do whatever would lead me away from this situation, this problem. Or I could do like what David did. And in the midst of the situation, in the midst of the problem, whatever David was facing, he, he admitted, God, it's hard. He said, Lord, it's hard. But yet, even in my situation, you're holy. You're in control. You have the final say in my life. Not my desire, not my want, not, not anything I want, because what we want is going to lead us astray. The Bible tells us that the heart is wicked above all things, right? It says, who can know it? And so if, 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 if you capture anything from tonight, I want us to leave, and I do this to the youth and drives them nuts probably. I, I challenge you. Find an area in your heart where you know you, you haven't trusted God enough you know there is a, a pain point, right? It, I think I said this the other day, if it hurts, that's what Brother Marsh and, and Bishop say, if it hurts, there's an issue. You know those better than, than I do. God knows them better than you do. But find those, those pain points in your, in your life. Find those issues that you're facing right now, those problems that, that are eating you alive, right? We kind of talked about this at the very beginning is we don't know what people go through. We have no clue. Even on our best day, you know, the Bible tells us that our, our righteousness, our best day is as a filthy rags. So if I'm feeling good one day, I should know that, hey, there's a, th- this is not as good as it seems, right? But when we're in the midst of a situation of a problem, we have the decision to, to, to go towards the Lord 
or to turn away from him. And the more you turn away, the more you say, no, God, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want to follow you because that's not what my flesh wants. When we're going through something, your flesh wants to, wants to punch back. It wants to hit. Because what happens is, is, is from here to like right about there feels pretty good. But the moment you hit that thing full force, you are facing the repercussions of your decisions. And if we continue to do that, if we continue to allow our heart to be hardened, regardless of what's going on, you're going nowhere good. You're going nowhere towards the Lord. You're going towards your flesh. And as Paul said, the, 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 the works of the flesh, they're, they're awful. There's horrible things going on. We see that all, the day, all day long throughout our culture. But the works of the Spirit, right, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, meekness, kindness, temperance, self-control, the things that we all want, the things that our culture acts like they have, is literally a, a fruit of a relationship with Jesus. It's, a, it's the fruit of a relationship with God. So when you are in the midst of your trial, of your tribulation, I, I, I want you to just pray, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. If that's all you can say, if you just say it in faith, God will literally respond. I don't care if your lights are going out. Lord, help me. I don't care if your family member just stormed out the door. Lord, help me. I don't, I don't want anger. We don't want that. We don't want bitterness. We don't want to control the situation. We want the help of God. Because it's only when we have the help of God, the literal spirit of God dwelling inside this, this failed, flawed flesh, that's the only way we are going to overcome what is happening in this situation, regardless of how hard it is. And I, I'm not ignorant to the fact I'm not going through a lot right now. Everything's going swimmingly so far, so far. And I, I, I understand that, you know, it's easy to say it when you're not the one suffering. Oh, hey, it's going to get better, you know, but you don't know what I've just been through. You don't know who just hit me. You don't know what just happened, Right? And when we go through that, if we're, not, if we're not careful, our hearts will become hard. And the Lord cannot work with a hard heart. He says unforgiveness is literally the only thing that will send you to hell that God cannot say, I'm taking your unforgiveness away. He says, if you walk in unforgiveness, I cannot help you. But what you do is you, you pray, Lord, I forgive that person. I'm sorry, I, they, they, they sent me through all sorts of issues, all kinds of problems in my life. They hurt me, they did this, they did that. The Lord can take it. He's a punching bag. He can literally take it all. If you don't think so, I've, I've screamed at God. I've yelled at God. I've said, God, take this pain, take this issue, take this situation. God is a big God. He can take care of our problems. But we have to be big enough to accept that he will listen to us, that he will take care of us, that he will, he will want to help us. And that's part of receiving God as your father and that understanding that he cares for you. He loves you. He loves you so much he sent his only son into the world to save you. 
the, not the perfect you that we see here at church, not the, the primmed up proper suit tie person. He sees the you that you were last night or yesterday when you shouldn't have been that you, but you were. That's the person that God saved. The Bible tells us that, that the man who was not sinful, who was perfect, became sin for us. He became that very sick, vile thing that you've done, that we've all done for us. Because he loved us and he cares for us. But we have to accept that. Let's raise our hands. We can go ahead and stand. Father, we thank you for this word, God. I pray right now, God, that you would let it be, let it sit in our heart, God. Let it resonate in our hearts, God. I pray right now that you would change us, that you would transform us, God. Lord, you alone know what we're going through. You alone know what we're facing, God. I pray right now that if there's any hardness in our hearts, that it would be done away with, that we would walk in the peace of God, that we would walk in the spirit of God, that the fruit of the spirit would be evident in our lives. God, I pray against every attack of the enemy upon our families, upon our homes, upon our mindsets. God, I pray that your peace that surpasses all understanding would flow even now, God, even right now, Lord, no matter what's going on, no matter what hurts, no matter what pain, no matter anything, God, I pray that you would touch my heart, Lord, touch my mind, touch my family, put a hedge of protection about them, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you would begin to to remove whatever is causing me pain right now, God. I submit it to you. I submit it to you. I submit it to you despite how I feel. God is good and he's, he's, he cares for you. He loves you. I love you guys. We love you. We, we, I, I, I love being a member of the body of Christ. We're not perfect. And if you think we are, you haven't been here long enough. <laughs> yeah. You guys go in peace. I love you guys. Have a great night. God bless.